This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of the show. Guests join us on the hotline. It's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. Every dollar you spend, you will earn points towards free pizza. It's the rewards program. Mm-hmm. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Tuesday, there's Maddie Rose in for Ryan Pinder today. Mm-hmm. Garrett Vanderplug in for uh, the guy who's usually here. What's his name? Uh, Patrick Dumas. And uh, we're just we're keeping things rolling as we head towards the, the end of June. Canada Day coming up. Always a big day at the ballpark for the Toronto Blue Jays. Stephen Brunt joins us. You will not be at the ballpark on Canada Day. Did you and did you enjoy the atmosphere, the the red unis, and it was always a, a big crowd, kind of a festive affair. Yeah, it's it, it is kind of fun. Um, I'm not. I don't tend to be there in July 1st very often because I tend to get back out of town. As yeah, you know. yeah. But I have been to those July 1st games, and it is. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's it's always fun to be. Yeah, maybe even more these days, given the events of the last couple of years. But it's fun to be in a big crowd, even you know, even if the game's not that great. The the sense of just being in a packed stadium, this packed arena, like yeah, yeah. it always it always feels better, doesn't it? Yeah. If I ever left my house, I'd I'd know what you're talking about. Been around a <laughs> uh. <laughs> been around other humans, but yeah, you're you're right. It's uh, it, it is it, it is neat for sure. I, I kind of chuckled yesterday when I saw Sergio Romo's name because it's one of those things. Yes. <laughs> when it, when it uh, came out, I saw some of the reaction like Sergio Romo didn't he didn't he pitch for the Gi- like World Series the Giants team back like a decade ago and then you watch Kikuchi and Barrio soil themselves like hey that Romo he he pitched for that World Series team the Giants back like ten years ago the the whole tone of it kind of changes. When uh, all of a sudden the the need is a little bit greater than it was even a week ago, it seems. Oh God, does it ever? Like, it's, well, not just that stuff, but he just got released by the Mariners, who and put on and no one claimed him. No yeah. one wanted to pay his salary, so he gets DFA'd by a team that's a not good, and b you know it doesn't has its own bullpen issues. So, <laughs> yeah, this is not. Although here's you know the weird thing about relief pitchers. You know the the volatility of relief pitchers, right? That Sergio Romo, a year and a half ago, <laughs> two years ago, I guess, was good. Yeah, right? like he became good again for a little while, and he then he was bad, and that's you know why the, the Mariners brought him in this year because they thought, well, maybe he'll be good because he's done this before, and he's you know he's never not a guy that throws hard, but he's got that crazy slider. He's got that one pitch that you know when it's great, it's really great. It's like the the frisbee pitch, but. He's yeah. He's been there, done that. Is the selling point. Um, so which one did they get? The, the, the good one or not. the which one? Was it the bad one or the good one? Well, I think he's got about two weeks. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's, that's my guess is we'll figure this out in about two weeks <laughs> because they'll they'll because there's no because there's no risk right they they pay him the major league minimum and he's being paid by somebody else and they'll run him out there and they got to give him a spot on the 40 man. That's, but they just moved uh, Ryu to the 60 day uh, IL. So that opens up a spot and I think they'll run him out there a few times and see what he does. 
I thought you meant that he had he had two good weeks left in his career, and they just had to figure out when it was the right. Oh, that's entirely possible too. When to throw him out there? I think (laughs) this is just that's also (laughs) this is the two weeks. That's also entirely possible. Yeah, he he might have two days. Like who knows? Right? They. I. I don't think it's a it's a it's a what the hell move because you know I know everybody says well go trade for somebody go get somebody. You, know, you got to go get relievers, which, like, if Ross Atkins, he would say, yeah, I understand. I do know that. I know we have a little bit of a shortage right now. But you'll notice that trades are not being made yet, and it takes two teams to make a trade, and the sellers in the market, and there aren't a ton of them, are going to hold out for value because there's a lot of contending teams, and there's a lot of play, an extra playoff space open in each league. So uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to – jump the market now the jays did it a bit last year when they did the deal for simber and then the deal for richards or vice versa i forget which one was first right yeah it it, yeah it's you can't force you can't force a trade unless you do something really stupid and if you do something really stupid and you know like a huge overpay for a relief pitcher you're going to regret it you know guaranteed because the guy that's hot now might be a guy who's not hot in two weeks you know or next year or so in the meantime what do you do well you kind of look at reclamation projects and you throw them out there. Like it was, you know, a few years ago, I'm trying to remember what year it was. They brought in Jason Grilly. Yeah. That? Oh and, yeah. Uh, and we had, he turned uh, out great. Right. We, and we, we had those, uh, those aprons, right? The chef's aprons. That's right. That's, it was a big that's deal. Exactly. Then. Correct. <laughs> it was a big deal. And you know, he hadn't been pitching very well and, but he'd been around and then they got him and then he pitched well and he was briefly a hero and then he was done. So, the hope here is yeah, you bring in a guy who won't be phased by pressure situations because he's been there and he's won World Series. He'll be a, you know, the, the classic. He's supposed to be a good guy around to have around the clubhouse, everybody says. So veteran presence, good clubhouse presence. The, the problem is the pitching part. And yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. But, but you know what? Not, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You know, like why, why not? I'm also great in the clubhouse. I'm a bunch of laughs. I'll, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm okay too. Strut around with nothing <laughs> yeah. but Only a jock. Only problem is the pitching yeah. part, boom. <laughs> strut around with nothing but a jock strap on. <laughs> get everybody howling. I can keep things real loose. The throwing part. Yeah. Well, there's a roll. Know, whatever. Let's see the, the throwing part. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't. I don't think that the season will will hinge on whether Sergio Romo is good. If he turns out to be adequate, and they. It helps them bridge through this rough stretch. That would be, that would be a gift. Well, I was going to um, say what the greater know, need. Would, yeah, sorry, don't get the, your hopes up. Yeah, the greater need is certainly Barrios, but Kikuchi start turning in, rounding into form here for Kikuchi. I don't know that he's ever really gotten comfortable from the looks of things. And Barrios has had some great games going back to last year, but kind of i feel like that one's more troubling kikuchi was maybe a bit of a gamble but barrios you paid for he was kind of that borderline ace you were bringing in to be another almost guaranteed guy every five days and he struggled this year yeah he's well he's either been you know he's been really good or really bad right like he's kind of he, he has been himself at times and you said okay there's you know, six innings and he, he gives up a run or two and he keeps the game under control and he hands it over to the relievers or there's games when he just blows up early and it has no command and that's what you know we saw that opening day right in toronto all the way back in in uh, april but that's what you saw in that last start as well so i like the thing with barrios is the difference is you look at his track record over the last you know five years he's been really consistent so this is an aberration and i think if you're the jays you believe that he'll figure it out because he's figured it out before and he's got a 
did you know like the, he's he's not a number one necessarily, but he's a really good number two, and he he's done the same thing over and over and over again. So you know you know unless he's hurt, and he doesn't appear to be hurt, you kind of think well yeah he'll he'll straighten himself out. I'm sure they're a bit puzzled because again this if you look at his career he's never really had this. The Kikuchi thing is, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like this because. You know, they brought him in. It's obvious why. They, and they, they went out and signed him. And it's, you know, what, $13 million a year, whatever, which is a lot of money. But in baseball terms, it's not massive money. But it's not nothing. And they did make a three-year commitment. But they obviously said, hang on a second. This guy's a left-handed pitcher who can hit 97. He's got, like, four other pitches. Ball moves all over the place. Pitched in the All-Star game last year. Fell apart in the second half. But, you know, we're, we, yeah, we did. We fixed Robbie Ray. So we can fix him. We'll just simplify it and we'll take some of the weird stuff out of his delivery and, you know, kind of give him a game plan that'll work and take advantage of what he does well. And he'll be fine because the stuff plays when it's in the strike zone. The stuff's really good. And I, you can see, you know, Charlie Montoyo is one of the most patient and nice people I've ever met. And if you watched him, his post game after that last Kikuchi start, like that's as close as he'll ever come to throwing a guy under the bus. Yeah. That's because it's not his. It is not his nature to do that, and he just said, "Look, I will not make excuses." And I think they're incredibly frustrated with the guy, because I think they send him out there and they say, "Look, trust your fastball. You have a good fastball. Locate, establish the fastball. Everything works off that." And you watch him out there, shaking off the catcher and not, and, and then throwing the. It does has no idea where the fastball is going, and then everything falls apart, and it's. You know, it slows the game down, and and you can see him struggling out there. And you know, it's not physical. Although, you know, like I, it would not surprise me at all if he suddenly winds up on the, you know, the the IL for know, some right? mystery ailment. Because what else do you do with him, right? You can't. I like technically, I think you can send him down, but I think realistically, you can't. Um, and he's not. A, he does not seem like a guy who would thrive in the bullpen, given that he doesn't know where the ball's going half the time. So I don't know, like, I, I think they're super frustrated. I think it's the, it, this has to do with confidence and the kind of the mental part of the game and their inability to kind of get the message across, you know, in a short time because spring training was late and, and spring training was shortened and they haven't had as much time to work with this guy as they did with Ray. But I think, you know, that they, they you know, they must, like, you know, left-handers was 97. There aren't many of those guys out there. So they they see the potential, but I but he is they can, they have not been able to unlock him so far, and it's it's you know it's a conundrum because they don't have a guy to take his place in the rotation who they're going to be comfortable with right now. Uh, there's a you know, couple of guys in AAA who are sort of interesting, but most of them are kind of four A you know, guys who are not really major league pitchers, uh, and uh, you know the kind of Casey Lawrence types there who are you know you're not going to get excited about them. They're, they're the exciting pitching in the J system is way down and vancouver right now mostly and uh, so you don't have a guy to step up you're going to need another starter you got to deal with kikuchi in terms of a roster position i don't you know i, I can't imagine they're going to tanner Rorkum like dfa him and just eat the money that would seem extreme halfway into his first of three years uh but how can you pitch him like so it's like what i what i was hearing this morning is it looks like he's going to take his next turn but that's a desperation move you know because you've got no other choice you can't you can't send him down. You don't want to cut him. You don't trust him in the bullpen. And by the way, you also don't have a, a great alternative in terms of starting pitching. So 
you know, they've got, look, they've, I, you know, I, I assuming Barrio straightens himself out, they've still got four guys who are pitching, mm-hmm. you know, can pitch really well. And, and they've got two guys. You saw Gosman last night. Manoa's been great. Gosman was amazing last night. You've got two guys who are legitimate number ones on the staff, and Stripling has been terrific. But, yeah, that'll be one of the questions as we head towards the trade deadline, the end of July, which is, do you want a depth? You're going to go try and find a depth starter. Well, everybody's looking for those. You're going to find bullpen arms. Well, everybody's looking for those. But they're going to, they're going to have to do they're going to have to do some of that work because you know they're a playoff team. I s- still think they're a playoff team for sure. They're not going to catch the Yankees, so they're going to be in a wild card series. You hope they host the wild card the the way it's set up now. And you know if you had three really good starters going into the postseason, as long as you get there, you can probably make that work. But uh, yeah, that's there's there's some pressure on the front office right now. I'd say a couple of really great, at least for me, some really great moments in baseball the last couple of weeks. We'll start here, going back to last week. Guillermo Martinez, who I had no real connection <laughs> to at all prior to last week, but after a uh, what was deemed a subpar effort by the uh, the umpires and the crew. On what on Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was, yeah. uh, Guillermo came out to uh, present the the card the next day and got and got tossed before the game even started. I don't know that I've ever seen that where it's not the manager, it's not like, you're sending out the hitting coach. So did Guillermo say, "I got this, give me that thing"? Listen, oh. I'm doing this, or was it like, "Hey, Guillermo"? If you want to drop a bomb when you go up there, that'd be great. How does that happen, no. and what what have you heard about that situation? Because Guillermo, they threw him out of the game immediately, and then he got five games. Yeah, he got four more games than Josh Donaldson <laughs> did for the uh, the the Jackie Robinson. That's uh, right. Insult. Yeah. So, well, a couple things. You know, Guillermo Martinez is he's a he's like he's not a volatile guy in my experience i've seen him around spring training you know around the team he's kind of quiet doesn't really say a lot you know he's very well respected but you know not a guy who kind of jumps out at you as a big personality i don't know that he's ever taken the lineup card out before and you know the whole lineup card thing is one of those quaint baseball traditions they actually write the names on an actual piece of paper yeah, yeah. and they hand them in and they shake hands and have a little chat with the umpiring crew and everybody you know it's long season right it's very kind of collegial and uh, you know watching it like we've never they haven't actually kind of like we don't have a transcript or anything but i love the kind of the pantomime where he walks out there and the uh, night the night before doug eddings missed almost a third of the ball strike calls in that game like that's mm-hmm. 29 yeah, you know like he was he was terrible and he cost the jays the game right like that you, you can't always say that but there was a three-two pitch to Espinal with the bases loaded, that was clearly a ball that would have walked in a run that would have increased the Jays' lead, and he blew the call so completely. And it turned, you know, it, that, yeah, the game can pivot on one call. So they, so yeah, they're irate, obviously, about this. But they said so. Martinez, I assume he must have volunteered and said, "I, Charlie, I'd like to do that today." And I, I'm guessing they suspected suspected why. But you know, it's not like he went out there and tossed his hat down and stomped it in the ground. He just shook the guy's hand, and then he must have he must have said something like, you know. You really are terrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You suck. You know? And by the way, there's if you check, you want to go on the interwebs there, there's these there's all these sites where they, you know, go through the calls now, so you can't pretend it didn't happen. But I yeah, they tossed him instantly. So I you know, I doubt that he you know, you would think he wouldn't go out there and drop a, one of the words you can't say because it's you know, there wasn't in the heat of the moment. But so apparently, yeah, you cannot go out in that moment and say, 
And they said, I think they said contact with the umpire. But if you watch the video, as far as I can tell, the only contact was he shook hands with him. That's true. Yeah. For the undisclosed fine, five game suspension for making contact. So is that a firm handshake? It was too firm of a handshake when he told him to go bleep himself. Is that how that works? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's like five games is, is nuts too. But, you know, and, and of course, there's no appeal process, I don't think, for because, you know, the appeal process is built into the collective agreement with the players. So I think if you're a coach, yeah, you're, you're, that's it, right? Five games. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, but that, you know, that, there have been some egregiously horrible umpiring performances this year on both, just on both, just talking balls and strikes. And the Jays seem to have benefited, you know, uh, quote unquote, from more than their share. So I, like, I get the frustration. Uh, you know, everybody always talks about how powerful the umpires are in the umpires union and, you know, baseball's going to half afraid of them and, but I'm, I'm, I'm bring on the robots. I, honest to God, like let's 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 give them some help because calling balls and strikes seems to be beyond the capabilities of some human beings, and maybe it is. So why don't we bring in the technology and give them an assist so that they don't wreck baseball games, you know, and attract attention to themselves? Mm-hmm. Like the fact we, you know, you know it, it, we shouldn't even know the names of these guys. It's not. And I know in the olden days people loved oh the flamboyant empires. They were part of the show. Remember the, all that? No, you don't. It, it's you. Do, you know, I I remember when and I you know Gary Bettman going in the NHL neutralizing, taking the depersonalizing the officials. Right, they took their names off the unis and tried to make you know when with the helmets on they all looked the same. So you didn't know that you know it wasn't an Andy Van Helman game or a Kerry Fraser game. And I you know I kind of like watching an Andy Van Helman game or a Kerry Fraser game because you, you know, a Paul Stewart game because you kind of knew how they were going to call it. But the, but the bottom line is, you know, the NHL is right about that. The, the official should not be the show and there shouldn't be a huge divergence in how games are called by personality or by competence, you know, like Angel Hernandez shouldn't have a job. Um, and you know, this Paul Edding shouldn't have a job. If you're that bad, you shouldn't have a job. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's, It'll be an interesting discussion as the maybe baseball embraces that technology. Like if you can do it in tennis, I I'm not sure why you can't do it in baseball. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying to. It's not in because Enrico Palazzo was the opera singer in the Naked Gun that Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> but remember, Leslie Nielsen was the umpire in the Naked yes. Gun when I think OJ was there to kill the Queen or whatever. Either way, yeah. uh, that's what springs, Typecast, typecasting. That's what yeah. uh, springs to mind. The, one of the other uh, things that I enjoyed was uh, the big brawl between the Mariners and the Angels. Sometimes these are more for effect than anything else. Like, hey, oh, look at I'm going to give you some, you son of a gun. I'll shake my fist up. Careful. I might, you know, be... Give you a little slap on I the might, chest there. I might breathe on you if you're not careful. That was not one of these... As Jesse Winker and J.P. Crawford and the Angels, they went at each other, and the the suspensions are sizable. Ten games for Angels manager Phil Nevin. Uh, Winker gets seven, Crawford five. There's a couple two- and three-gamers in there. It was a doozy. Yeah, it was. That's the most real baseball fight I've seen in a long time. Um, that It was nasty. Those suspensions, like a ten-game suspension for a manager is... yeah. Again, that's a that's a lot, you know. Like put that in terms of a, you know, an eighty game season in another sport and figure it out. Like that's, it's that that is a, that is a huge chunk. Um, yeah, I, I guess I you know I, I can to a point I, can, I I get it, and 
you know, the, it's one of the difference, you know, one of the differences between baseball and other sports is that, you know, standing at, you know, I know you wear a helmet and sometimes you wear an elbow guard and all of that stuff, but you know, a guy's throwing a projectile at a, almost a hundred miles an hour in, in your general direction. If you think that guy's throwing that projectile intentionally to hit you, understanding what the consequences of being hit can be, you know, some, you know, in, in the, you know, number one, it's going to hurt. Number two, you could break your hand like Bryce Harper just broke his hand. Number three, if he hits you in the head, you could die. So I, you know, it's kind of understandable why emotions run a little bit hot when you think it's turned into a, a eye for an eye beanball mm-hmm. exchange, right? It's it's not to be messed with. And I, I understand if I was standing up there and I thought someone was throwing at me, um, you'd feel pretty vulnerable and you'd feel pretty angry. But obviously, you know, it's all about like these things build and they build between two teams. But I, that's, yeah, you're right. Like that's, that wasn't playing around. That wasn't just that wasn't just theater. Like they they were throwing. Uh, pivot a little bit here. Stephen brought our guest as always on a Tuesday. Uh, you're a, you're about a nine hour time change, I think, from Pacific. So I'm not sure if you've seen yes. much BC Lions football in the last few weeks. But there's a young Canadian uh-huh. throwing the ball out there that is having a hell of a start to the season. Nathan Rourke was he got eight touchdowns through two, whatever. He is yeah. tearing it up, and that ought, now going to be without some key weapons potentially here moving forward. But what have you made of the start? I, I did not expect this because the hype machine can get going, and then you might have some flashes. But this feels like more than just a created story to try and get some hype. Oh yeah, no, this is well. He looked pretty good when he the little bit he played uh, for Riley. Last year, I guess, right? Yeah. It was last year, I can't remember when they when the seasons which which seasons they canceled last year. Um, he looked pretty good, and you know he he was a very good university player at, at Ohio University. Uh, he's a really good athlete. Like he he had a tryout in the NFL as a wide receiver, so he's he's very athletic. But you know he's he's got a really good arm, and. I, I know the, the you know the call was more Canadian quarterbacks. There should be more Canadian quarterbacks. I've been hearing that almost my entire life. And you know, again, I'm old enough that I saw Russ Jackson play a million years ago, who you know went to McMaster. But you know, but the truth is, there's I, I I'm not sure you can make a case that there's been some great, unbelievable Canadian quarterback who has been denied the opportunity there, because you know if they, if they were good enough, and I know that the ratio hasn't played to their advantage the way the ratio was the way the roster thing was structured. But you'd still get a chance if you were good enough because people want to win football games. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of guys come through over the years and kind of had that label, this is the guy, this is the Canadian guy who's going to do it. Um, some of them CIS players, um, you know, some of them guys, you know, Jesse Palmer's, you know, the guys who Canadians who played, Luke, Luke Toussignon. Uh, you know, I can go through a whole long list, Larry Justanis. And the bottom line with almost well with every one of them i would say is in the, in the end they just weren't good enough yeah um you know it's just it's just you know population number of people who play football in canada difference between cis and ncaa in terms of the the, the amount of preparation you have the kind of environment in which you evolve and i, I say that as somebody who loves cis football you know i've seen some you know i saw chris flynn tear it up in the cis and uh, you know a bunch of guys who are great cis quarterbacks but you know what they just weren't good enough it's not, you know, that's not a sin. This guy's good enough. <laughs> like, I, and it's, I, we'll see if, you know, does it matter to people? Um, 
Yeah, you know, I, we've talked about this before, boom. But you know, but the, like if you look at the list of the greatest players in CFL history, or the most identifiable players in CFL history, if you did that list, eighty percent of them would be Americans. And you think of them as CFL guys, you know, from Doug Flutie to Pinball Clemens to, you know, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell to, you know, like they're all they're Americans, but we think of them they're CFL guys. Sure. But it doesn't and it doesn't really matter that they're Americans. So. I, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of play the nationalist card when it comes to the CFL. Well, we'll see. You know, like it's funny, like the BC thing. The first two games, they packed the park sort of in that first game somehow. I'm not sure. It's interesting to see. I'd like to know how they did that. But you notice there was no one there for that second game. Yeah, 41 to 14. Yeah, what is it? 44,000 to 14,000 uh, the other night. But although I was, yeah. it says you're playing so, in, in, in front of another energized BC home crowd. I was like, oh, well, that's, let's see how many people went. Oh, 14,000. Okay, well, I yeah. guess you can still be energized so, when there's fourteen thousand of you, but uh, but I'm with you. I, I, so one of those, two, yeah, uh, one of those two is an outlier, right? right Forty-four yeah. or fourteen? Which one's the outlier? Yeah, we'll find out. But it's it's a, it, I like the story because he's a BC kid, and it. Yeah. But I, I I'm with you. I think that these are smart people in the CFL. These are good talent evaluators. They would they would know who this guy is, regardless of his. You know, birth certificate kind of thing. We talked to uh, Justin Dunk yesterday. He says, already again, this guy's getting some NFL eyeballs on him. So he might be holding the clipboard down there before you know it. So maybe enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, enjoy it while it lasts because he may be that guy. Um, you know, and holding a clipboard could be pretty lucrative. <laughs> you know, it's, a pretty good, it's a pretty good career path just in terms of feeding your family. That's what I've been told. Um, but look, I hope it's for I hope it's for, I hope it's for real. I hope it's for real because sure. it would be awesome. And as you say, he's kid, he's from Victoria, right? So that would be fantastic. So, are you working Friday? I'm, I always feel bad about asking this question because it's Canada Day and it's a holiday. But you poor major market radio folk end up having to do do your yeah. jobs on 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 stat holidays. No, I'm doing the. I'm in this. I'm beginning the summer wind down now. So I did the show all last week. Mm-hmm. I'm now doing spot. I would say spot duty yeah. for the next yeah. uh, couple of months. Um, but so no, I'm not going to work on Monday, but uh, or on Friday. But Thursday, Thursday, I am going to because you know normally I'm on your show Friday. That's of right. I know yeah. you guys always have stats off, but th- Thursday being a momentous day, I'm. I will be. I will be exactly internet willing. I will be here. That will be great. I look forward to uh, I look forward to it already. So, what's up today? What's uh, how's the weather? Are we fishing? What's the story? It's it's a bit gray. I got my first uh, salmon of the season out of the river yesterday, so that was very exciting. Yep, very, you, first one, a hey, first you, one in this river since yeah. pre-pandemic. Ooh, yeah. So, did you poach the, it? I got here too late last year. Hey, did you poach it? No, I let it go. Oh, you did. I See? safely released it. It happily swam away. It was a beautiful, beautiful little uh, grill. So the beautiful small yeah, salmon it was yeah, awesome. Nice. And uh, the the wife arrives today, though. So I've been on my own, you know. And uh, so I'm doing. I mean, I'm cleaning the joint up right now. Yeah, you got the beer cans and chip bags and all of that. Make sure you <laughs> make sure you do a <laughs> thorough right. job. Double check everything, Steve. Yeah, it's funny. Push if you push stuff into a corner, no one will notice, right? Yeah, that's right. Good to talk to you, buddy. Always great. We'll talk to you Thursday. All right, see you, boom. There he is, Stephen Brunt, out at his uh, little lodge out in Newfoundland. Little piece of, uh, he loves it. Yeah, there was that sound earlier. I thought it was like the, the boat going over the waves or something like that. Yeah. It was like a chop, 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 chop. I think it might have been his dog. Mm. Maybe had a had a scratch. Oh. Just a guess.
Not sure. We'll come back. <sighs> Adorable. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider. It's all over. Now, it very quick pivot. Now it's less about uh, Andre Burakovsky and more about Brad Treliving. What Now what are you doing? Because here we go. We got a draft. We got free agency. UFAs, RFAs, all of the offseason stuff really kicks in. The Chicago Blackhawks announced their head coaching hire yesterday. There's some other teams. Usually you like to get those hires done before the draft. You get them in. Mm -hmm. We'll see what's going on. Frankie will join us when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We are into it. Tuesday, the 28th. Hour number two. Adnan Ver coming up hour three. A busy edition of Sportsnet today with Maddie Rose after 9 o'clock. Right now we get uh, all caught up with the intrepid reporter. He's been, uh, you've, you've put on some uh, frequent flyer miles. Do you, so do you get all those miles, Frank Valley? Do you get uh, first class seating, foot rubs? How does that work when you travel as much as you do? Yeah, the foot rubs are really what do it. Yeah, I, I find that's a nice luxury in first class. So WestJet doesn't do it anymore. It's too bad. I miss it. Yeah, I miss it. Uh, is it nice? Yeah, to... I heard you had a. Uh, I heard you had a big announcement yesterday. Uh, yeah. The uh, well, I saw it was uh, the Johnny Gaudreau and uh, the Calgary Flames. Uh, r- really, is that what it was? <laughs> the big, the big announcement. Is that what the big announcement was? Uh, if that if that was it, I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I must be way behind as as the insider. As I've told people, uh, I get older, and uh, it's like from dazed and confused. I get older, and 3 a.m. stay 3 a.m. It just, uh, I got a lot of miles on the chassis, Frank. You know what I mean? It's been, I guess, 11 years of 3 a.m.s, and it's it's taken its toll. It's taken its That's toll. So it's too much. But uh, I got to tell you, one of the real highlights of my year was uh, getting to spend every Tuesday morning with you guys, and... Uh, it's uh, it's not going to be the same. Well, thanks, buddy. It was and you know it was great meeting you. We had some uh, we had some sandwiches. Sat down. Good to see you. The uh, Battle of Alberta really didn't uh, could use another game or two or or whatever the math was. But uh, but it was good to see you and, and have you out here in in Alberta doing that. Let, we'll, we'll move into it. Thanks for that. Um, you were you were all over at the Stanley Cup final. The Colorado Avalanche taking down the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I just I felt like it was. We were due for a heavyweight fight. Last year with Montreal and the year before with Dallas, they were good stories, but the thing is with Cinderella stories, it doesn't always lead to the most compelling championship. And, and I thought this year, even though it was six games, Tampa full marks, and there's no asterisk or any dumb stuff like the last year or two. This was, this was Colorado's incredible run capped off with a deserving win. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this was really one of the most impressive and dominant runs we've seen from a team in NHL history, 16 and four in the playoffs. They won three out of their last four games from November on 75% winning percentage. I mean, one loss on the road in the postseason. Yeah. the way that they ran through teams scored four other goals per game. I mean, it, Daryl Sutter said it a waste of eight days. I mean, it feels like three out of their four series were eight days or shorter. That's how quickly they moved through teams. You know, even the Lightning, you, you said full marks, and that's certainly appropriate the way that they, you know, hung on for dear life and, and even forced a sixth game 
I'll never forget the performance that they had in game five. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as Colorado tied that in the, in the third period on home ice, the cup in the building, I'm thinking there is zero chance that the Avs aren't winning the cup tonight. And you know, Tampa pulled it out and they gave them a game in game six. Like they, it was certainly impressive from their part, um, you know, with what they were dealing with and this this Avs team, though, the scary part for everyone else in the West is they're not going anywhere. And, you know, I was going to shift gears because they do have some an impressive list, obviously, of unrestricted free agents. They loaded up at the deadline. They got stronger, and it paid off for them. But even with that list, if none of them return, you still have uh, you've still got Kale McCarr in the back end and Devon Taves for a couple more years, and it's Ranton and Landeskog. You know McKinnon's going to stay. It's just a matter of what it's going to take to uh, to pay him. Uh, I- I'm with you. This is this team's going to be no fun for a while, it seems. Well, and that's the thing is they're going to keep some of those guys. Like, I think there's a solid chance they re-sign Nazem Kadri. Uh, I think they find a way to keep Arturi Lekkonen as an RFA. Um, you know, they're in a spot where they're going to have to make difficult decisions. And I think that's one of the real, if you look at some of the quote dynasties over the last, you know, decade and a half, whether it was Chicago or LA or, or now the lightning, one of the most impressive facets of being a, a general manager in that spot is knowing which guys to keep and which guys to say goodbye to. And, you know, it started with Chicago in 2010 and the decisions that they made, um, you know, if you think about some of the guys that were on that team and moved on, the Dave Bolins, the Dustin Bufflins, like they, they, it seems like they always made the right decision. You know, Tampa, Tyler Johnson, and, and go through the list, Yanni Gord, and, and certainly some of those players you'd like to, to find a way to keep just are, aren't able to. And now Joe Sackick is faced with that same sort of, you know, conversation. What do you do with Valerie Nachushkin and, and the playoff he had? Um, it's not easy. Uh, but I think they're in a spot. It starts with Nathan McKinnon. You got to get that deal done first. My personal opinion and belief is that it's going to be a record-setting contract. Like I think his next AAV tops Connor McDavid. Um, and then you, you move on from there. Like you put that first, the biggest piece of the puzzle together, and then you start fitting everyone else in around him. And in a way, it's you, you think about that, it's a good problem to have when you have one of the finest young players and he's going to earn that money. But they are kind of set up well to do it. This is They can start this summer, get him signed, and it's the same year when a bunch of money comes off. They, they're not going to be in a spot like, like Calgary kind of is, where you have to get some money out, maybe trade some assets just to get bad money out the door. They've got room to sign them, and I agree with you. It's He has been one of the best bargains at $6.3 million for five years four years at least he deserves to get paid and he's gonna i agree with you well that's why i don't know that we'll ever see a team be able to load up again like the abs like when you have that type of production like you have from mckinnon at that bargain contract and you know even kale mccarr and, and the deal that he's on it looks like a bargain now um you know, you, you've been able to take advantage of that. You can go out and add pieces at the deadline the way that they did and be that aggressive when you've got that type of flexibility. And so I'm sure part of the conversation, and McKinnon has sort of hinted at this and mentioned it before, that he's willing to take a bit of a discount to make the team around him better. I don't know that his agent necessarily feels the same way. 
Um, and because he's been playing on such a bargain, if, if it almost feels like there's part of it, it's like, okay, we got to make you whole from all the years that you were underpaid. doesn't necessarily work like that, but I still think, you know, when you look at McKinnon and his numbers and, and really just the playoff performance, like he, if you look at his numbers, he's among the very best playoff performers of all time in goals per game, things like that. Um, it's so rare to be able to elevate your game like that. And he's just able to do it somehow. He's a beast. And you look at the way that he helped push that team to the cup. Um, he's, he's just so incredibly strong and confident and he, he wanted it bad. That, that was the one thing, you know, the con Smythe vote somewhat easy with the playoff that McCarr had um, to give him the number one spot, but McKinnon was, was right there. Now, you mentioned in the list of players that could stay, you mentioned Kadri's name, and for a long time it felt like he was the given that would leave town, that maybe they could keep Nachushkin. Has it pivoted for you because of how good Nachushkin is, or is is Kadri maybe looking at, at a situation at 31 that he may take less to stay there with a, a window-to-win continuing beyond this year? Yeah, I think that's part of it for Kadri. I think he's found a really nice fit there. I think he likes it there. Um, no doubt he's, he's due for a raise, but, you know, even with the raise and even with what McKinnon is going to get, Chris Gear wrote a great story for us, the, the former Vancouver Canucks assistant GM, um, mapping out their cap situation on dailyfaceoff.com and showed the, you know, basically the math on how they can afford to keep Kadri. What wasn't really part of that equation was the impressive season that, Nachushkin had like he had you know hadn't gotten to 20 or 25 goals yet um, certainly didn't have the playoff run that he had and so that's sort of the x factor now is what type of world are we living in with Nachushkin like you know some people have said he's he's played himself into a a Brian Rust type category you know that was 5.1 times six years Um, you know is he higher than that is he closer to six like is he somewhere in the middle Either way, it's probably a lot more than the Abs had budgeted to try and keep him, and I think he's one player that's going to be really difficult. I think with Kadri and an 87-point year, um, you know, the other thing you have to be wary of, and not just if you're the Abs, but also if you're any other team, is with any of these players this summer, is the idea of, you know, the Colorado bump that you've gotten. It's almost like the 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 same factor that's been in play with the Colorado Rockies and free agents for years that how do you evaluate their numbers at altitude and, and playing a course field in this case with the abs, it's their players and the talent that surrounds them. So many players had career years. What happens when you take them away from that group? Is their production or will it remain the same? Is it possible to remain in that sort of exclusive company? Because Cadre, for instance, look at his numbers. He doesn't have a season anywhere close to what he had this year. And he's been in the league, you know, 10 plus years now. There's a lot of track record to point to and say, you know, this guy isn't, you know, this season was a statistical outlier. And I think there's a number of other guys you can have that same type of conversation with. He is Frank Saravelli, our NHL insider. Dailyfaceoff.com is where you can find his work. The uh, free agency is going to be so interesting, obviously from a local standpoint, but beyond what are you hearing coming out of Pittsburgh? It seems like with each passing day, it's it's sounding less and less likely that Evgeny Malkin returns to the Penguins. Are you hearing similar? Um, I think it's premature to say that. 
um, their focus, their energy, their attention has been on getting Chris Letang signed first. Um, that makes sense. Like, I don't, they can't replace Chris Letang. There's no one you can go out and get on the market that'll do what he does, give you a consistent 60-point season, um, you know, play 23, 24 minutes a night. There's no one's out there that can do that. So that's what they're looking at at the moment. I, I reported months ago around the trade deadline that Chris Letang was looking for a five-year deal. I, I don't think they've gotten there. I think the furthest they've been willing to go is four. And even that feels like a lot for someone that's soon to turn, you know, 35, 36 mm-hmm. in, in that neighborhood. With Malkin, it's like we need to get Latang done first and then we can see how much money we have left. And I don't know if that's, you know, I don't, I don't know how Malkin interprets that, what that means to him, um, how all that works. So that's certainly, um, you know, there's only so many dollars to go around when, when Chris Latang takes a big slice of the pie what does that mean for everyone else? There, it's not just Malkin. It's Evan Rodriguez. Like, you know, there's lots of other guys that need to get paid. Kasperi Kapanen. At some point, you're just not able to keep everyone. And since Russ was the first guy signed a few weeks back, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of work to do here in the next, you know, 16, 17 days before free agency opens. I wonder how much Crosby has influence there. Not that he would barge into... Burke and Hextall's office and say, here's what I want. But I wonder just with his influence there, do you have to include him to a certain degree and to what extent you do? My sense is they consult with him and sort of give him an idea, a heads up on here's what we're thinking. Here's where we may be heading. By no means does he have any sort of, you know, authority or say, but he certainly has more pull than your average, you know, captain or your average superstar on a team. Like they're not, making rash or snap decisions and saying, you know what, Chris Letang, take a hike, or Evgeny Malkin, we'll see you later. Like, that doesn't happen without first consulting with Sidney Crosby. Like, that, he's certainly part of it. But I don't know, maybe at the end of the day, less impact than you might think, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, in in your neck of the woods, now it's, it's one report. Maybe there's more to it, but... Uh, the Athletics, citing that uh, Chris Drury, GM of the Rangers, quote, vocally unhappy, end quote, with Artemi Panarin and his postseason play. That's a big contract. He's a stud player. They're a team on the rise. Uh, is it just get some, you know, sour, good run, would have liked more, come to camp and let's get over it, or is there something potentially brewing there with Panarin? I, I tend to think it's overblown. Um, first off, He's one of the very best free agent signings over the last 25 years. Someone that to this point has lived up and met just about every expectation. Um, I realize that the playoff run might have been disappointing, that they feel like they could have gotten more from him. And, and there certainly were periods of time where Artemi Panarin was absent. And not to draw a comparison um, because they're Russian, but I, I actually felt the same about Nikita Kucherov. Like he piled up a ton of points for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the postseason. I was thoroughly, and, and having watched a lot of games in person, thoroughly unimpressed with Kucherov and his playoff. Um, he, just like Panarin, he went 46, 48 minutes of, of nothing. And then they have this special ability to, 
you know, with one snap of the stick to score a goal or to make a play that so few in the world can do. And it's just what it does is it leaves you wanting more. You're like, it's in there. How can we get this out of them on a more consistent basis? And so I understand part of the frustration with Panarin. Um, but I also think, you know, with as consistently as he's produced, you know, you, you mm-hmm. find a way to get over it because even, even at that double digit cap hit, even at, um, you know, he's an expensive part of your team and, and, takes up a big slice of that pie he's so incredibly talented and and does so much that you need him in florida a a bit of a shock not so much that he doesn't deserve the job but it was about andrew brunette would he get it or not and then paul maurice comes in it's you can see that there's pressure to win here bill zito isn't messing around they won the president's trophy out in round two one year left on the 5.9 5.9 million contract for Jonathan Huberdo. What else might they be doing? I know a week ago, I think I talked to you about uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Feels like a tough deal to to do because you're going to have to eat a bunch of money. But clearly, the heat is on. Haha, <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, it is. I mean, no shock with a 122 point season and getting swept in the second round. Like, you know, you've mm-hmm. got a lot of work to do. Um, I I just I don't. I don't think they're trading Spencer Knight. I, I think they're going to attempt to with Sergey Bobrovsky. I, I, you know, even at half price, it's the term that's the killer for teams. I think it's a really difficult contract to move, and they've got other cap considerations this year that I don't think people have really quite clued in on yet. With the dead cap space that they have coming, the Keith Yandel buyout has a big jump this year in the off season. And they have six and a half million dollars in dead cap space. It's not quite the twelve that the Minnesota ha- Minnesota Wild have, and, and what they have to stick handle around. But in this case, with the Panthers, it means like you you've got some really difficult decisions to make with you know Patrick Hornquist and some other guys now that are on your team that are perhaps earning a little bit more than they should. You know, you've got to find a way to move off of some of those deals to bring in some you know, talent that is is closer in line to their pay. And that's not going to be easy to do. Like, there's a chance that whatever iteration we see of the Panthers next season maybe takes a step back. Um, remains to be seen, but what happens with Jonathan Huberto as well? He's mm-hmm. up for an extension this summer. He's eligible on July 13th. And I don't know, to this point, I haven't heard a whole lot in terms of what that negotiation might look like, but I'd have to think it's probably pretty darn close to what Alexander Barkov got uh, right in that sort of neighborhood after the season that Huberto had. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll be looking at what Barkov got, and you'll be keeping an eye on Nathan McKinnon and what potentially he gets. Not that that's the same, but it's been a great run for Huberto there, and he's coming off a great season. Uh, you mentioned Minnesota, of course, Kevin Fiala seems like he might be the most likely candidate to be uh, to be jettisoned out of there because of cap reasons. Anything Fiala or beyond in Minnesota, JT Miller's name continues to be circulated out of Vancouver and, and Debrinket in Chicago, Chicago new coach. Questions about Patrick Kane, but boy, it sure sounds like Debrinket uh, is, is the candidate to move there. Yeah, Debrinket's getting moved. It's just a question of when. Is it now, this summer, before the draft, or is it next season before the trade deadline? Like, they're not 
they're not giving him a long-term extension, and they view him as a two-time 40-goal scorer, as someone that can really help jumpstart that rebuild. Like, they have a really thin pipeline. They don't have a lot coming, and they don't have a, you know, a bevy of picks like the Montreal Canadiens have or the Arizona Coyotes have. So they're starting kind of from scratch, and Debrinket is one piece that can help bring you that enormous return that you're looking for to get going. Um, with regards to JT Miller, I, you know, I think everyone is kind of aware on both sides the spot that they're in um, in terms of how expensive that next deal is going to be. A basically a hundred point season from a heartbeat center. Uh, Miller has done everything the Canucks have asked of him since arriving, and there's not going to be a hometown discount there. He's not taking one less cent than he would get on the market. So I don't know that the Canucks, because he is a little bit older, he'll be 31 by the time uh, the end of that first season of his next deal rolls around, whether they're in a spot to give him the type of long-term deal that he's looking for at that type of dollars. And, you know, it's interesting, like, how do you find a way to, to make all that work? Like, the Canucks are trying to find cap space and flexibility, and they're also trying to do so at a time when they want to be competitive and in the playoff mix next year. That's, that's a really delicate dance. Yeah, and Horvat in that same boat, right? One year left before yep. he's a UFA, and you're still dealing with Brock Besser and his restricted free agent uh, status there. Curious to see how they how they get that thing done. Uh, before we let you go, we're getting close to it now. Draft first, then UFA on the next couple weeks. Uh, and what beyond what we've chatted? Anything buzzing out there? Hearing anything? I you know not really anything top of mind. Like I, the Canadians are, are still sifting through what they do with the number one overall pick. I'm really curious to see what the New Jersey Devils do with number two. Do they end up moving it? Is someone going to come in and? and knock their socks off to make a trade. There's a couple teams with multiple picks in the first round that might be able to put an intriguing package together. Um, You know, that's the draft, but I'd expect so much movement just with regard to the trade targets board and, and all that's happening on that front over these next, you know, 15, 14 days. um, It's there's, there's a lot that's going to be going on. It's buckle up. And I saw you, uh, you were on the other day, and I saw your quote, and I don't want to misquote you, but uh, your, your take, your read on the Goudreau potential extension here is, in a weird way, it's really not about money, that the money finds a way. It's just about whether he wants to be here or not. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way to, to explain it or frame it. Like, because the Flames have the ability with the eighth year, they're, they're, not going to be outbid like there's it's difficult to give Johnny Gaudreau more money on the open market than he could get in Calgary that's the baked in advantage of of your player um you know the math is very simple yeah. you know eight times ten eighty million dollars to get there on seven years which is the max anyone else could offer him it's 11.4 per year that's a significant jump so it's not about the money. I don't think it ever really has been about the money. And I think they've made their pitch saying, you know us, you know what our team's about, what we're building, where we're trying to get to. You're a huge part of it. Do you want your jersey here in the rafters someday? Um, 
you know, at, at the dome or wherever they're playing by the time his career wraps up, hopefully a new arena. And do you want to finish your career in Calgary? Like, do you want to be here? And that's the, the pitch they've made that like, we want you will, you know, we'll move heaven and earth to keep you. But to this point, and it's been a while because it feels, you know, it feels like it's been a long time since the flames played five, six weeks that they've made, they've made their pitch. They've made their play and they're waiting on an answer. And the question is, are we getting married or not? Yeah. Like that's it. And at a certain point when you don't get an answer, I feel like you begin to know what the answer is. And, and that's the, the uneasy feeling that the Calgary flames are feeling right at this moment, the sort of pinch between your shoulder blades of man, is this really not happening? Like, and, and I think the dialogue has, has continued. I think they've, you know, main, maintained that they've said and done all the right things. Both sides have, but to this point, there's been no real, you know, negotiation. No, like the, the Gaudreau camp hasn't come back to Calgary yet and said, we're in. And until that happens, like, they're not really anywhere. Yeah. Frank, appreciate you, pal. Be well. Uh, I'll be watching and listening. You do great stuff. Appreciate your time here with the show. Be good, all right? Yeah, you too. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to hang with you every Tuesday and, and to get to know you better and uh, all the best. Thank you. Looking forward to what's next. Thanks, buddy. Frank Valley. There he goes. Uh, it's close to Philly. Maybe go up to the Gaudreau household there and see. You know, Hey guys, I go on hey, Calgary hey, Radio hey. every week. They re- boy, they really like you out there. I think he gets the. It wouldn't hurt. I think Johnny knows he's beloved here. Do you? Yeah. I think he knows I, that. I think. And you know, somebody was texting. And get, so could we just play last week's <laughs> clip about? But I think that's that's part of it. Is that it is, and I'm led to believe it's kind of the same thing. It's quiet. Yeah. And that he's he's right, and we've talked about it till we've been blue in the face. Uh huh. With the extra year, yeah, you can offer, and it's m- more money. It's just more, mm-hmm. more. It's just more. You can give more money over that eight-year term. So, do you want more? We can give you more than anybody else. So it's not about money, really. And he needs to make that decision. And I get it. It'd be. Really tempting to get to Ju- to July thirteenth this time around and see what else is out there. But then for the Flames, you lose the ability for that eight. As soon as he becomes a UFA, you no longer have the right to the eight-year deal. Can't give more money at that point. You're like everybody else then, so your advantage is gone. But yeah, that's the same clip because, and I guarantee you, it's like the all the the memes of. Whatever, whatever gif you want to pick off of your phone of Escobar sitting around on the swing set with nothing going on. That's that's <laughs> Treliving and Conroy and Brad Pascal. They're just nice sitting. Cut. Great job. And waiting and waiting. The other thing that I've continued to think about with this is, yes, you can offer more money if you're the Flames, but more money is is how much more? It's it's maybe four million over the course of a whole term. Over the eight years, you can give maybe four, five, six million dollars more. Um, and when you're signing an eighty million dollar deal, what does that amount to? When you're kind of looking at the big pile, how much more do you want to add on top? Like, I don't know. You probably throw in a couple extra Hope Street commercials and make that up on the make that up along the way. Yeah, it's only four or five million. Yeah, right? it's only what's, no problem. What's right that between friends. Yeah, 
We'll get you a car deal, sign some autographs. Yeah, sing a couple, sing a ditty for us, no yeah. problem. Uh, breaking here, we're into hour number three, Adnan Verk on the way, and the chance for you to win that four-pack of tickets. The parade for the Stampede is coming up. You could be watching it front row center with some guaranteed, some reserved seating, coffee, donuts, the whole thing. We'll give that away coming up before 9. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.